Blog Talk Radio. Try to fade the song out, and it just like cuts out abruptly. <laughs> Welcome aboard to Pop Life, the, our regularly scheduled uh, time slot. We are back. We gave you our pre-Oscar show on Sunday, but we are back tonight for Pop Life, giving you all the wonderful, uh, a wonderful look at everything going on in pop culture. You know, if you want to give us a call, 347-838-9815. We're going to be talking Oscars. What did you think of the Oscars? Was anyone gypped? Did you like the show? Did you hate the show? We want to hear from you. Uh, give us a call. But we're going to be hitting a lot of other stuff. Sunday was all about the Oscars. We're going to give a little uh, Oscars, our reactions to the Oscars. But we're going to hit a lot of different stuff tonight. So uh, give us a call. Uh, if you're shy... And you don't want to give us a call, you know, you're more of a, a, a keyboard warrior, well, then head on over to uh, TKRS Presents Pop Life on Facebook. Go over there and like the page. Um, if you already like the page, go tell a friend to go like the page. That's right. And, and then get on there and, and chat. We have a chat going on right now on the Pop Life Facebook page. So uh, there you have it. We are back. This is our normally scheduled uh, time slot, we go once a month, first Tuesday of every month, 10.30 to midnight to talk pop culture. As always, my compadre, Todd, is here. Todd, what did you think of the Oscars? Well, I uh, I enjoyed the show. Uh, it was, you know, it was pleasant. It was nice to watch. I enjoy uh, the culmination of, as we had talked about a couple of days ago, awards season. And uh, not too many surprises, um, some fun moments, thanks to Ellen DeGeneres and uh, and a receptive crowd. But uh, I enjoyed the show. And uh, how about yourself, Ken? That was good. I mean, you know, I'm not a, a, a huge award show person, so it was you know I enjoyed it. I, I liked Ellen, but I like Ellen. So I mean, you know, it, it's uh, I, I guess you could say I'm slightly biased, but I've always liked Ellen, so I, I enjoyed her. Um, it was an award show. You know, it wasn't like anything that uh, blew me away, and it wasn't like, oh God, this is terrible. I mean, it was it was a typical awards show. Uh, some interesting speeches. Um, Jared Leto, downright dreamy. I mean, you could just get lost in his eyes. Um, you know, uh, he had an interesting speech. I thought Matthew McConaughey's speech was uh, uh, an interesting speech, very uh, philosophical, yes. uh, if you will. Uh, you know, I kind of like that whole vibe of. Uh, 
you know, my hero is myself in 10 years. That was great. I really enjoyed that, actually. It was, you know, not the hero in the sense that it's somebody you look up to now as much as the hero you strive to be like. And I thought in that sense it was excellent. You know, I started thinking about that myself. It's a, not a bad way to uh, conduct yourself. So I enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, another great speech from Jared Leto. And, you know, we're not about the fashions here. We certainly weren't on <laughs> Sunday. But he, you know, it was all over the Internet afterwards. Yeah, he looked like Jesus. But not just any. If you have seen the uh, this Internet meme of a picture of him next to Buddy Jesus from Dogma. And there's this great <laughs> shot of uh, Jared smiling and pointing. And right next to the same image of that statue that they, the uh, the church wanted to use in Dogma instead of the crucifixion, which is just a little too sad for everyone in that movie. Uh, but that was hilarious. Um, you know, and of course, and we'll get to them, but there were a lot of memes going around, different things on the Internet. Um, but he uh, he was one of the people that I, I noticed on the red carpet and uh, throughout the ceremony. And the other one, and it's just great because athletes seem to be able to get away with anything um, I saw Michael Strahan wearing this, I don't know, out of the 70s prom style. It was some purple tux, and of course he pulled it off. And uh, other than that, you know, nothing much to report. That's not our thing here. But uh, but it was it was interesting. And, uh, you know, those were a couple of great speeches. Uh, referring to the, the Internet memes, uh, Ken, did you Travolta your name? I, I actually did. I was... I was uh... It was like Kane Kazidi or something like that. I, I thought maybe like if, if the day ever comes, as I, as I look up to myself in 10 years, if the day comes where I set foot in a wrestling ring, I think that's going to be my wrestling name. That's not bad at all. There was another good one uh, on uh, the show At Midnight with Chris Hardwick. He took the, the name uh, that I, and I can't remember what it was. Obviously, it was John Travolta introducing Idina Menzel, and it came out Adele Mazine, something to that effect. <laughs> And um, after mocking it uh, for, you know, a little while, Chris Hardwick said, actually, if you want to see what I think Adele Nazim looks like, and he put up a picture of Travolta from Battlefield Earth. <laughs> and, uh, and that was spot on. That's exactly what that name looks like to me now. I can't stop picturing it. But that was a lot of fun, you know, uh, going around the Internet and a lot of people on Facebook posting their Travolta names. The other, of course, big meme was the one that was intentionally done on the show by Ellen was the uh, the group selfie that she said will get the most retweets in history, and she was spot on there. Uh, did you see the selfie, Ken? I did see the selfie, and how could you not see the selfie? Right. I mean, the selfie was everywhere. I, I kind of I'm, I'm hating myself a little bit for saying selfie as often as I, I, I have to say it, but uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's 2014. I think Ellen's got that that knack of just being uh, kind of a you know non pretentious, very down to earth, very. Uh, likable person uh you know she's someone you'd want to hang out with and i think that uh you know she did a nice job and that like hitting a selfie that's that's uh something that everyone does in everyday society and and whereas sometimes the academy awards can come off as uh you know maybe a bit uh uh highbrow like she she kind of brought it down almost bring it down to the masses i, I thought right. it was fun yeah she did she brought it out to the crowd and to the masses you're right uh, one point, though, for everyone, obviously everyone has seen it, as you said, you saw that picture and you saw people like, oh, Meryl Streep, Bradley Cooper, right? Brangelina was in there, Kevin Spacey. 
And also, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o's brother <laughs> managed, and not even like trying to sneak in there. He was up and jumped in, big smile, and he was, you know, prominently in that picture. Good job. <laughs> no, go, go, Lupita's brother. Why not? Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Ellen, you know, I thought that she was a very, she did a safe job. It was amusing. It was, you smiled. There weren't a ton of laughs. When she did the pizza bit, and I, I was worried about where that was going to go. It seemed like a little silly, but she really followed through, and that kind of brought it home right there. But, you know, her her jokes in the beginning, you're used to people coming up and hosting the Oscars and making fun of some of the people in the audience and she did that in a kind of Ellen way. She, uh, you know, did everything in a very safe way. It's the way she talked about her wardrobe change. But it was certainly amusing. There was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't like in the past where there were some hosts where you were shaking your head and wishing that, that they would just be able to escape. Someone like, uh, well, certainly last year, Seth MacFarlane or going way back, David Letterman. That was very awkward up there. Uh, but she did a fine job. You know, I, I have a feeling she's not going to be asked back because it just wasn't, there wasn't anything to it. I think anyone could have done this job and not that she did a bad job. It it did get the the broadcast at the highest ratings since 2004. I don't really think that has to do with Ellen DeGeneres, but who knows? Well, I mean, there's a lot of factors going into the ratings that it could be Ellen DeGeneres. It could be, it was just a good year for movies. It could be, you know, and maybe that's what they're looking for. You know, maybe the increased field for Best Picture, right. you know, more fans felt like they had a rooting interest uh, that, you know, in years past, you know, your, your favorite movie's not nominated, and you're just like, ah, screw it, the Oscars are fixed. But so maybe, you know, it, it worked. Maybe, you know, we were talking, and, and I'm not the biggest uh, proponent of having the field widened that much. It kind of uh, loses uh, the special feel of being nominated. However, uh, you know, maybe it was. A, a good thing. Maybe it was, it brought more eyeballs in. Who knows? Or it could just be coincidentally this year, maybe it's because everyone snowed in in the Northeast and right. they all sat at home and watched the Oscars. I mean, there's so many contributing factors you could look at with the Oscars and say, well, this is why more people are watching. Uh, you know, maybe it was Ellen. Who knows? But I got to say, you know, you did a lot of research on this. You were, you, uh, had a lot of formulas and permutations and mathematics. I mean, you should see in the studio, there were like uh, dry erase boards and, right. and flow charts and just what you, you know, you did a lot with like the predictions and you, you actually, you did pretty good there. I mean, your, your predictions and, and where you thought each field was going to go, you, you were on the money pretty much across the board. Thanks. You know, I, I did, uh, you know, I, I went out and watched, a lot of these movies uh, very close to the broadcast within, you know, the week beforehand. So I was very close to all of it. And, yeah, I I did pretty well. There were a couple of races that I said should be tight, and I I was pulling for someone else, and the the person or movie I was pulling for did not win. Not really a surprise, but it was the case. One of those being Best Picture – uh, Ken and I were both big, big fans of Gravity, and we were pulling for that to win. I had a feeling 12 Years a Slave was going to win, but I think that was one of the main races. Another one was uh, Best Supporting Actress, and again, I was very much pulling for Jennifer Lawrence, and she lost to Lupita Nyong'o. 
which again I understand. I thought it would be a close race. And there was one other movie which, you know, as soon as we we uh, went off the air on Sunday, Ken said, you know, we didn't even talk about her at all as one of the best picture nominees. And I said, you know, watch it win best uh, best screenplay, and there you go. It was best original screenplay, and um, one of the few movies I missed, but I was, had a feeling about that one. But referring to those three, you know, movies, uh, big winners of the night were obviously Best Picture, Twelve Years a Slave, and most awards for Gravity. Big loser of the night had to be uh, American Hustle because that was nominated for ten awards and didn't win a one. And that's something that is very rare. It's the fifth time that a movie has had ten or more nominations and didn't win. And uh, you know it's unfortunate something like the Screen Actors Guild that gives out an award for best overall cast. Well, if the Oscars had that, I have no doubt it would have won. But otherwise, you know, a couple of tight races, and uh, unfortunately for that movie, didn't didn't pull out the win in any of them. Yeah, and that, that's crazy. I mean, you just you know, you, you kind of feel like uh, you know anything that any time movies nominate for that, you know, they'll get one. You know, they'll, they'll squeak right. out one. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting race, and we talked about it on the on you know the last show, the prediction show, and uh, I guess for both of us, our feelings on Gravity was it, it was something special. It was something you you don't see, and and. No disrespect to the other movies, to 12 Years a Slave for winning, but, you know, there have been historical pieces in the past. There have been movies of that ilk in the past. Something like Gravity, to us at least, was something uh, very special. You know, all good movies, congratulations, 12 Years a Slave. Um, It's kind of a weird year, you know, in terms of, you know, Gravity becomes the big winner, quote, unquote. Um, but you have, you know, a Dallas Buyers Club winning two of the major acting awards. You have 12 Years a Slave winning Best Picture. So it's, it, it doesn't win a lot of the, the, the glamorous awards. I mean, it wins Best Director, um, but it winds up being the big winner of the night. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of the way that the Academy operates. Um, you know, not that it's a group of people in a room saying, let's give it to this one or that one, but overall, the way they voted – there still has not been a, a science fiction movie that has won Best Picture. And I feel that it's, you know, there have been movies in the past that should should have won, could have won, but I feel like it really doesn't have a chance. Science, science fiction, comedy is uh, also overlooked. You don't see Best Pictures from the comedy field. And you can't say that there have been comedies that were not the best picture of the year. I just don't think it gets the same kind of um, you know respect that these other ones do. Whereas other types of movies like musicals, they win tons of best pictures. You know, or these big sweeping epics with lots of action. You don't consider the the action movies where the action was great um, and it was a good little movie, but something big like Gladiator. You know, something on that scale. Ben Hur going back. You know these. Epics with a lot of action. So, I don't know. I mean, are there any other sci-fi or comedy movies that you think really were deserving of of accolades that they didn't get? It'd be time. I mean, I'd have to really go back. I mean, right. you know, obviously, uh, Star Wars. Of course, Star Wars always. You know, first one I um, thought of. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, but it's weird. It's almost like you know, and we we talked about it that you know that that sci-fi. It's almost like it. It, it's it's a victim of of itself. It, it it it's victimized by its own genre. The fact that you have to have special effects because it is sci-fi, 
And it's, you know, a lot of what a science fiction movie is going to be is going to be predicated on how the special effects are received. And it's almost like the Academy and and maybe, you know, other fans, uh, you know, have the special effects. They take it takes away from the, the movie in and of itself. And I, again, thought that Gravity was something special where the special effects were something very unique and very uh, pivotal to, to the, the plot and the, and the story development. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. You'd love to be able to crawl inside uh, everyone's head and see, you know, why they vote a certain way and why science fiction seems to get snubbed. I just thought that Gravity was, you know, like, and I know I keep saying it, it's just something unlike we had ever seen before and really deserved uh, some more consideration. Well, you know, talking about things we'd never seen before, uh, going back a few years, and we discussed this again a couple of days ago when the field was expanded from five nominees to ten, and now it's between five and ten, uh, Avatar was up for Best Picture that first year, uh, 2010, where they expanded the field. And a lot of people thought that was the best movie of the year. If you look at uh, a website like Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes and you know look at the overall scores, and these come from uh, you know not just the everyday schmoes like us, but from actual respected film critics, and that was one of the best-reviewed movies of the years. And Gravity uh, had all the others beat this year, but they just don't get the respect, you know, come Oscar time. And it's unfortunate because sometimes you need to look past the effects and say, even without that stuff, wow, this is really an incredible movie because Gravity had incredible storytelling, writing, emotion, acting, and it just, you know as much as we like to consider this being a race, I think that we we kind of knew that 12 Years a Slave was going to win Best Picture in the end. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, again, great movie, pulling for gravity, you know, we may, we may never know why. Why sci-fi is, uh, is, is, is not respected the way it, it should be. But, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not a big an awards show person, I thought the uh, the Academy Awards this year were, were a fun show. Um, you know, not not nothing uh, that I would say uh, glaring criticism. Uh, you know, if I want to nitpick, I probably could. But uh, you know, overall, like you said, I guess Ellen was kind of safe, but she was amusing. Uh, like you know, no moments where you sat there like being embarrassed for her, uh, which we've seen in, in hosts in the past. Um, you know, she she's one of those people. She's probably going to fit in in kind of the uh, mediocrity of certain hosts like you had mentioned some uh some hosts that have had uh rough runs uh, at right. the academy awards uh you know she's not going to be mentioned in in the uh, same category as a billy crystal who, who seemed to have brought it to a new level um but she's not going to be in in that embarrassment category either right you know steve martin hosted a few times and he's always great he just does a great job Everyone's always on his side, so it, it's not like he's starting from scratch. It's his audience to lose. I think Ellen had the same thing. And she certainly didn't lose the audience. Um, and if that, you know, a couple of the things where she was out and among the crowd seemed like they weren't going anywhere, they actually did. She started from a point where, hey, maybe this pizza thing or this selfie thing isn't going to work, and it ended up being a big hit, and uh, everyone loved it. You know, another, we had James Franco and Ed Hathaway recently, I don't know that we'll have any uh, other young pairings again, although it's unfortunate there may be some people out there. One of the younger people I think would probably do a nice job is, uh, oh, forgetting the name, um, the, the, uh, the, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun who's gone on to, to do great movies. 
Um, no, like, uh, what's his Robin? Right, exactly, Robin. Uh, Christ, and, uh, I, and I want I want to say like Haley Joel Osment. I know no, that's that, not right. We're it's both blanking. Yeah. It's one of those three named guys. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There you go. Once you gave her the three names, <laughs> I got to put my iPad away and it's right there. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt would do a tremendous job, and maybe they don't trust a show to just him. Maybe he needs a co-host. Um, actually, Kevin Spacey on some talk show after the awards said he would love to host the Oscars, and I would love to see that because he's always just a, you know, a, a lot of fun. He's always got everyone on his side. He knows how to put the right amount of, uh, of snark and fun and maybe the insults and everything so he might be a lot of fun too but are you, are you kevin spacey fan yes i am because it's it's fun like, i i feel like he's I, I wonder if he pissed off the wrong person in hollywood somewhere because i feel like it's been a while since he's he's gotten like substantial movie roles i love kevin spacey and i loved uh you know, going back obviously uh the usual suspects even before that then, uh, swimming with sharks Great movie, tremendous, and uh, American Beauty. Yes, uh, amazing movie, and, and it, like after Amazing um, American Beauty, you kind of felt like, all right, now Spacey's going to blow up, and you saw him doing like the stuff on Saturday Night Live, and the the different impressions he could do, and yep. you just kind of were like, there's nothing that this guy can't do, talent wise, and and it seems like he kind of faded away after that. He's he's still doing stuff, and right. he's still he's on uh, the new Netflix. Uh, Netflix only show, right? House of Cards. Um, House of Cards, but it just seemed like his 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 star didn't rise as as uh, fast and as as high as I, I kind of felt like it was going to uh, after American Beauty. Yeah, I think I I can see what you're talking about there. You know, he's done some fun things. I think that he was the only good part of Superman Returns. Um, <laughs> good point. <laughs> he had a really fun cameo in. Uh, one of the Austin Powers movies, I think it was Goldmember, where they did the uh, the movie version within the movie, and uh, he did a great Doctor Evil. But yeah, you know, I'm mentioning silly little things or roles that really didn't make an impact, and I can't think of anything lately that's been so big for him. You're right. Yeah, it's just just uh, we digress a bit, but yeah, it's funny because he's an actor that I just I really enjoy. You know, everything he does, and. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things that uh, you know it's it's pretty shocking that um, you know he he hasn't risen to a you know more prominence. You know, he's a guy that that generally he probably would fall into that category of hey, Kevin Spacey's in a movie, I, I I might check it out. And there's like there's select few I think you know when you look at movies, um, artists or or genres. That you would you would definitely go see. You definitely go see, um, you know, a guy in 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 this movie or a subject matter uh, based on this movie. You know, Kevin Spacey. You would think if he had risen like it looked like he was going to, he would have been that guy. At least for me. Okay. Oh, Kevin Spacey has a movie. I, I should go check it out. I, I do fall into kind of a an, an action genre sort of like if Bruce Willis comes out of the movie. I'm going to see it. He's okay. one of those guys that it, it doesn't really matter what he does. One of our all-time favorite movies that people will shit on left and right is Hudson Hawk. We love that movie. That was hilarious. People just don't get it. They don't get it, but he's he's a, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, there are certain actors that you just kind of, you know, hey, I will definitely go see a movie with that person, regardless of 
what the critics might might say. You have any like what are, what are some of the things that you definitely you know you'll make sure you go see? Well, I happen to love Jim Carrey. I think that he is very versatile. You know, the same way, and I think that's something you need—the versatility for these people. Or you end up seeing a lot of the same movie. Bruce Willis is versatile. Jim Carrey can do a lot. I'll see anything that he is in. Uh, Bill Murray is another one who I will and. Literally, I don't know that I've missed a movie of Bill Murray's, and it started out with all the comedy that he's done, and on and on to you know some of the more serious roles. He's got his roles in uh, you know those quirky parts lately. Um, anything that he does, and then there are certain, uh, not necessarily a genre, but like the subject matter of a movie. For instance, Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Excuse me, American Hustle. Any movie that involves con artists, con men, I we'll go see. And I've seen a ton of them. This is another one that even if it wasn't, you know, as acclaimed as it was, I'm sure I would end up getting to see just because it was in that, that field. Um, anything else like that for you, Ken? Yeah. I mean, you know, probably the, the, the gimme is, is baseball, you know, even, even, a, even oh, yeah. a bad baseball movie. And I think baseball for me, at least is only, it's the best sport on film. Cause I, I like sports movies, but I can't say that, you know, if a football movie comes out, that I'm definitely, I definitely want to see that movie because there's been some, not that there hasn't been some bad baseball movies, but that, like when football is bad in a movie, it, it just really, it, it's bad. Baseball, for me at least, even a bad baseball movie, you know, even, even if it's a movie about a, a, a kid who has arm surgery, who all of a sudden can throw a fastball and is playing for the Cubs. I will watch that and, and enjoy it. It's just it's something about year. baseball. What a great movie, Rookie of the exactly. Year. Exactly. That was tremendous. And you're right. You know, it doesn't, it's not the genre because it could be a comedy, a drama, even a romantic comedy set against the backdrop of baseball is probably something I'm going to see. And I, I don't mean to put down the genre as a whole. It's just a lot of the time they're telling the same story. Um, and maybe you can say that about other things too, but I'll see a baseball movie, you know, a, a movie that involves time travel. And I don't go and see every sci-fi movie out there. I know we're both hyping it up. We're both Star Wars fans. We're talking about gravity. Uh, those happen to be great movies, but if time travel is involved, it's just, I've got a spot for, for that movie. I, I like time travel too, but there, I, I don't know about you, but there's something about time travel movies that there, there, there comes a point with a lot of these movies that I find myself either getting nauseous or getting a, a headache because I start to like try to figure out the, right. the, the time travel paradox. Like The one thing that, that destroys me is when I start to try to figure out the Planet of the Apes, the old Planet of the Apes right. where, with the, you know, John Heston went forward in time and there's a planet run by apes, but then in, in subsequent movies, uh, the apes actually went back in time to modern day, and then they gave birth to Caesar, who wound up leading the ape revolution that wound up causing Earth to go become Planet of the Apes. So how did the Planet of the Apes exist first that they went, it, it, it just it drives me up a wall. So yeah, you're I giving do, me a headache already. <laughs> you know, like Back to the Future, why are they disappearing, and why do they start disappearing like, half their body, and why, why do certain people disappear in the picture first, and, and why is so as much as I agree with you, I will go see a time travel movie, but th there are times where I just, I, I can find myself overthinking a bit too much. Well, I've got a piece of literature for you, Ken. When I was in college, I actually wrote a term paper on time travel in movies. I'll give that to you. It, it dissects, uh, I believe it was The Terminator, Back to the Future, and, of all things, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 
and the way they treat time travel and paradox. So this is something that goes back a ways for me. So we we got to get that like scanned in and like posted on like we'll put that up. <laughs> we got to put that on a note on Facebook. I'm curious, are there any like actors or or genres that you would just the the flip side of it you won't go see? Well, you know, it's not that I won't go see a romantic comedy, but I'm typically uh, not going to watch one on my own, and my wife and I don't make as much time for movies as we used to. Well, it's kind of my job in our house to, to find the things that are coming out on cable that we'll both enjoy, and it, it, that's pretty much going to be the rom-coms I won't watch myself. There was one actor who I avoided... Oh, well, I should say also in the romantic comedy area, I do not like Sarah Jessica Parker. And she's someone I will avoid, but typically if I'm avoiding rom-coms, she's out of the picture anyway. <laughs> uh, Nicolas Cage. He really? Had, he was on my uh, my don't-go-see-it list. He turned it around, and I still approach his movies with caution, uh, and he's done some real bad ones. Um but it, I'll go see his movies. You know, they're a lot of fun. And it's been a while since you know he's turned things around for me. How about you, Richard Gere? Richard, I just I, it took like years of convincing for me to see the the Mothman prophecies, and it actually was a good movie. But generally, uh, yeah, I, I won't go see anything with with uh, Richard Gere in it. I just, I just, he just bothers me. There's something about like just everything about him, everything about him, <laughs> just bothers me. So. It's, that's pretty much it. I, I think I'll, I'll see any genre as long as it's get you know some like romantic comedies might be tough, but if it gets you know good buzz and and, and you know maybe a couple guys say they actually liked it, like one of my favorite movies is High Fidelity that essentially yep. is a romantic comedy, and that yep. that to me is like the ultimate date movie. It's a romantic comedy that guys can can actually, and I'm not lying, guys can actually enjoy High Fidelity. Right. There's enough guy stuff in it to enjoy it. Um, but it's a romantic comedy, so I mean, I'll see just about any genre, except honestly, except really foreign films. It has a foreign film really has to grab me. I I just for myself, I find it very tedious reading subtitles. Now I I will to, I'll kind of close in on that a little bit. I will see foreign films, not not a problem, as long as it's you know something that I can get into it's you know i'm not going to go see it just because it's a pretentious foreign film and i want to see them all like oh i'll see them but i don't get anime at all actually it's a good one. i don't i don't really get that either um you know i've seen a couple of uh those acclaimed movies like howl's movie castle or ponyo and akira akira <laughs> but generally i i'll try oh they say that there's a, whether it's the original subtitled one or they have you know american actors putting their voiceovers uh, I, I just don't follow it, and I, I don't follow through with the movie either. But I will say, as, as we, we come through this conversation, one actor that I de definitely I will see anything he is in, good or bad, uh, regardless. And, and it kind of brings in the Oscar talk as well. Uh, best Picture, 1976. And we told you the other night we were going to talk about this a little bit. But Sylvester Stallone, directed, obviously, and starred in Rocky, Best Picture. Um, it is a, a he is an actor that I will see anything with Sylvester Stallone in it. Uh, comedies, dramas, action movies. I I am a big Stallone fan, and and above that, I am a huge, huge Rocky fan. I am one of the few Rocky fans that I I will talk to you about how I enjoyed 
Rocky Five. Um, not many people will sit there and actually admit that. I love them all, love them all for different reasons. Um, I, I, I just thought they were all just very good movies in their own ways. Um, loved the last one, and I did. Well, before I get into the, the on Broadway, because now Rocky is on Broadway, and who would have thought they could have adapted uh, something like this to Broadway? But Nobody. Todd, are you a Rocky guy? You a Rocky I, fan? I love Rocky. I love all the movies. I do have my favorites. I won't say that I'll uh, sit and watch Rocky Five, you know, over and over. But I certainly like all the movies. Uh, none of them are one that I regret watching, and the first probably four I'll watch anytime they're on TV. Yeah, I'm a big Rocky fan and you, a big Stallone fan. You knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? Nice. Classic from Rocky Five. Anyway, you know, I got to see Rocky on Broadway uh, this past weekend. And I got to tell you, Todd, when I heard they're going to do Rocky on Broadway and it was going to be a musical, really immediately had my doubts. Right. Really had my doubts about it. And it, it, it came off to me as almost they're going to ruin an American classic. Uh, Felt a little better when I heard Stallone was was really working closely with uh, putting this on, and then Christmas time came around. I got tickets for Christmas. Um, I got, it was tickets. Uh, my my mom got it for me and my dad, uh, which was cool because uh, growing up, you know, my dad is a huge Rocky fan, so we went to see it. And gotta tell you, very very pleasantly surprised. It's Good. still in previews. So they, which was cool, they they came out before the show and they said, "This is the first incarnation of of this Rocky that you will see," because they're continuing to tweak and change right. and everything. So our performance was probably different than the last one, and the one after ours was going to be a little bit different. Well, let me ask you something though, because what I had heard was, and, and what I expected when I heard Rocky would be made into a musical was something, you know silly or mocking or, or parody, and I heard that it was not. It was taken very seriously, and what's your take on that? It was, and, and you know, first and foremost, the one thing, you know, being a, they nailed it with the actors they, they cast for uh, Rocky and for uh, Adrian. That, that nailed it. I mean, uh, Andy Carl played uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, he was absolutely... Uh, Phenomenal in the part, and Margot Siebert was the name of the actress that played Adrian. Uh, they both nailed it. They they really nailed those parts, which that is first and foremost, especially going back with the Rocky legend where you had Burt Reynolds, you had Ryan O'Neill tied to the project, right. and Stallone said, no, Rocky's me. I have to play Rocky. And now, you know, 30-some-odd years later, uh it's, oh, by the way, Mr. Andy Carl, you're going to play Rocky. Um, they both, they really nailed it. The songs were good. Okay. The songs were good. They, they facilitated the storyline. Uh, they were true to Rocky and, and his character. I mean, one of the songs was, uh, one of the songs was called My Nose, My Nose Ain't Broken. <laughs> and, and it just, it was, but the, it sounds silly, but they really, it was, it was written in such a way and, and melodically it was, it, it, it was serious because Rocky took a lot of pride in the fact that he hadn't had his nose broken. Okay. And it was, it was a lot, you know, he was just this down and out fighter that uh, 
was was really trying to find pride in whatever he could, and that was where he was he was finding uh, something to be proud about. That as as much as he was in this this one room apartment, he was dirt poor, no prospects, but but my nose ain't broken. Um, they really, uh, you know, it was it was nice the way they uh, facilitated the relationship between him and Adrian. Uh, you know, classic scenes uh, from the movie reworked uh, for the play. Uh, I, critically speaking, I, I wasn't crazy about Mickey or or Paulie. I thought the casting was ah, eh, not horrible, but they didn't like wow me like the movie characters. Apollo was amazing. Oh yeah, okay. The dude who played Apollo was absolutely amazing. Absolutely, his name Terrence Archie, and and he nailed a great voice, great look. Uh, the songs that he he sang were just tremendous. You know, very they played up the cockiness. Uh, you know, the the musical number where they decide that they're going to give a down and out fighter a shot at the title is is it was phenomenal. It was just a a really cool number. Uh, he was great. And the training montages, they actually, they did a really nice job with the training montages. And that was something I had a lot of doubts about, uh, how they're going to do that. But they, you know, the, kudos to Andy Carl. He drank the raw eggs on stage. Wow, all right. And, and, and to be able to, like, dance and sing and still drink a glass of raw eggs was, was pretty impressive to me. Can you go back for a second? How did they stage those training montages? How did they do that? For a, for a live audience. What was really cool is, number one, they did have footage from the movie. They had, okay. like, a, a see-through screen that was projecting Rocky jogging, which was kind of cool. So you had that aspect. They used a lot of lighting. So, you know, Rocky, he's he's jogging in, in the, the hoodie, the gray hoodie right, with the hood up. Yeah. So he gets ready to, to train. He puts the hood up. And they had many actors playing Rocky. So at different spots on the stage a light would go on and he'd be doing push-ups. And then that light would go off and a light would go on on another part of the stage and he was doing sit-ups. Then another light would go on. So, And they used Eye of the Tiger, which okay. was from Rocky Three, but right. they used it in this. And we they give him a pass on that. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a big uh, set for the stairs, so you had him running up the stairs. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, this, it, it was so well put together. Uh, the set was so cool with the, with the way they used the lighting, with the stairs. Um, but I got to tell you, man, you know, the way I was sitting there watching and I'm like, the, the play is good. The play is good. You know, I'm enjoying it. And the final fight, man, they nailed it. They nailed the final fight. They First off, they have a ring announcer. They had like the way the set is, like on top of the stage, you see the two commentators. Okay. And they're getting ready to commentate the fight. The The ring is on stage. There's a ring announcer standing in the middle of the stage. He comes out with his microphone. Uh, those who have preferred ringside seating can be seated at this time. Now, we didn't know what that meant, but it turned out the first ten rows in the theater stand up. They have to go on stage. There are bleacher seats on stage behind the ring. So all the first ten rows, give or take, in the theater get up and have to walk on stage. They, they, they wrote it in such a way where while this is going on, the commentators were giving their pre-fight analysis. So it wasn't really distracting at all okay. that these people were getting up and moving, and it didn't, it didn't stop the, the momentum of the show. Once those audience members got to their spots, the whole ring 
actually moved forward and was over the 10 rows. So at this point, there was audience members on all four sides of the ring. Oh, that's outstanding. So you got the feel of being in a boxing match instead of watching something on stage. Not only that, for anybody who's watched Rocky and fantasized about being in the arena during the, that fight between Rocky and Apollo, you got it. So, and, and that was just so cool when the, when the ring came out. And then Stallone, still, I'm saying Stallone, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky and Apollo both entered the ring through the crowd. So they came down the aisles in the theater. Uh, the crowd was chanting Rocky. Uh, they were booing Apollo. Uh, Apollo had his, his, uh, you know, his red, white, and blue top hat and everything, was dancing down, down the aisle. And they did such a great job with the fight. I mean, it's theater. And obviously the, the punches have to be pulled a bit. They can't recast Rocky every night because right. they're actually breaking his nose. But they did a real good, like all of a sudden Rocky had a bloody nose. And I don't know how they put the makeup on or where they, they stuck that in, um, but, but they did it. So they, Impressive. the fight went on. They, uh, they choreographed it really well where they had like a strobe light. And uh, they actually started fighting in slow motion to kind of have the rounds go quicker. So they didn't, you know, they didn't do a full three minutes for all 15 rounds. Right. Um, and honestly, I forgot to mention this, but above the ring lowered a, uh, a typical, like, indoor stadium scoreboard with uh, high-def televisions on all four sides. So uh, when that loads, so you really had the sense of being in a, a, a sports arena. Um, and, and it was great. And then the fight ended just like the movie. Um, Adrian came running through the crowd uh, into the ring. I was disappointed that she did not lose her hat. I don't know if that was a mistake or just not in. I was hoping she would lose her hat. That's funny. Um, and honestly, when the show ended, in, instant standing ovations. The, the show went black, the lights came back up, and the, the crowd just stood up av- immediately. It just, I am shocked. I, I'm not shocked that I enjoyed it. I, I'm really surprised at how much I enjoyed it because I, I did have my doubts. Um, whatever they're going to tweak you know, it'd be great if it's better, but uh, kudos to Stallone and everyone involved who uh, went to put this together. I, I think they did a really good job with it. That's great. You know, it's always great to hear that they adapted a classic and did it in the right way, did it in a way that not only honors the legacy, but does something different, uh, innovative, you know, now hopefully will stand on its own as, as well as paying tribute to, uh, as you said, the great series and the great original, of course, which was... Uh, you know, Academy Award movie. Yeah, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We talked Oscars. We're we're hitting Broadway now. Rocky, what do you guys want to talk about? Who knows what we're going to get now? But we we got uh, we're going out to Jersey. Caller, are you there? Oh, Adrian! El Rotundo. Hi. Hi. See you this evening. It, it took forever for you to answer my phone call. Well, we, we had a lot to get into. And, uh, you know, when you called on Sunday, I, I mean, I saw you in the queue, and we, you got to talk a little bit about the Oscars, and I wanted to make sure we got to the Rocky because I wanted to get your take on Are you a big Rocky fan? Uh, yeah, I like rocks. <laughs> uh how about Rocky? How about the Rocky character of the movies? 
Oh, like Rocky Road? Oh, well, uh, the movie is uh, pretty cool. Uh, I've only seen it once, and uh, I was fast-forwarding through it because I didn't understand it. <laughs> but it seemed like it was cool, you know, the blood. It was kind of like wrestling. Yeah, yeah, a bit. Yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, Ken, this, who's this guy, Todd? Does he know who I am? I'm getting to know you right now pretty well. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm Robert Pondocini also. I am the uh, Mexican champion of the world. <laughs> nice to meet you. And, and we're going get, to get to it a little bit, but since, since we're getting to know each other and, and Todd's not uh, toying, we're going to talk a little bit about different mediums of, of entertainment uh, a little later on in the show. Uh, once uh, you are on a, an internet television show that airs on YouTube, why don't you tell the listeners of this show and Todd uh, a little bit about your show before we let you go. Oh, oh, you don't want me to go? Uh, yeah, myself and Senior Steve both have a, a YouTube show called The Gun Show. And um, if you want, you can find it on YouTube.com slash Steve Uh I am a Mexican housekeeper, but I'm also the gun show champion of the world. And Senor Steve Hoff is a wrestler. Uh, yeah, we're pretty cool, and a lot of stupid stuff happens, but it kind of makes sense for those with a small mind. Oh, I look forward to checking that out. I like stupid stuff. I definitely <laughs> well, enjoy you better. that. We also have a Facebook page, too, The Gun Show on TV. It's our YouTube channel, but our Facebook is The Gun Show Fan Page. All right, very cool. Before You know, and I'm going to, anything else you'd like to say about Rocky before we let you go? Uh, well, I know Rocky is a, is a wrestler, so I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but I do like the movie The Goonies. Well, yeah, there were rocks in that movie. Why not? There were rocks in yeah. that movie. There were rocks in it. See, El Rotundo knows. El Rotundo, thank you so much for the call. Always a thank roller coaster you. when you call in. Thank. We'll talk to you soon. What? Wait. What are you on again? Uh, let's see. Well, this show will be on uh, the beginning of April, and uh, the wrestling show will be on uh, next Monday. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll see you Monday. All right. Sounds good. Take it easy. And El Rotundo giving us supporting the shows here. And uh, it's funny that he brought up the Goonies on a sidebar, but uh, we talked TV a little bit later. The Goldbergs did a special Goonies episode tonight, and it was it was awesome. They really they they, they nailed uh, you know that that eighty. They keep continue to nail that eighties nostalgia. And uh, as as we continue with Rocky, and that that does definitely have a bit of uh, nostalgia, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, it, it's and we haven't talked really about Broadway or, or live plays uh, uh, on the show, and, and this was something that, uh, you know, it, it really, you know, it, it just kind of showed you what good theater could be, and even especially with a subject matter that you kind of had your doubts what they could do, and it nailed, I mean, the story is great, they gave you some good songs, and between, you know, the training montage, having the stairs, Use of lights and, and, and screens, and, and, and then, like I said, the end with where the commentating booth was and the ring and everything else. Um, you know, they nailed it with the set. I mean, the guys who designed the set for the show really should be commended. And, and it's just one of those things that they kind of they, they hit everything 
Well, are you, are you a big Broadway guy? Do you like going to see the live shows? I do. You know, we're both lucky enough to, to live here in New York, and so we have access to, you know, Broadway, which is probably no argument, the top of the, uh, the theater world here in America, at least. And uh, I've seen plenty of shows over the years. You know, there's one, you, you started making me think about this one show I saw a few years ago when you were talking about uh, the, the rink moving over the seats and everyone around it. Now, this was not the audience sitting around the stage. This was a, a show where the musicians were all sitting around the stage and actually took part in the musical. This was um, the, I don't know if this is the most recent adaptation of Sweeney Todd on Broadway. And it was done in such a way that there was a square or squarish stage but sitting on three sides of it were the musicians. The orchestra was made up of the actors in the show. And so at different times, people would get up if they had a scene. Other people would go and play their instruments. And you always had a certain number of people on stage acting out that scene. And they always made sure to have the right people. I mean, it was, we had at one point, Patti LuPone sit down from doing a scene and start playing the tuba. It was the kind of thing that you know you don't see, and so that was one that was staged and just performed in a very unusual way. That was one that I enjoyed a lot. And if anyone out there, and I know a lot of people have, uh, whether you're from New York or not, have seen The Lion King on Broadway, that's an adaptation of you know something where you'd say, how can they do it? You know, if you wonder how they could do Rocky, well, how the hell are they going to do The Lion King on Broadway? Hey. I just had to get that out. <laughs> uh, we all need one of those once in a while. That was done with performers and puppets and live on stage, though, not really hiding themselves. And it was just something that I questioned before we went to see it, and it blew me away. Uh, any other shows, Ken, that you thought were done in a, an interesting way, something different? It's funny because I haven't seen a ton of shows that I've just been, you know, wowed with uh... – the set, so to speak. When I saw Tommy, Tommy was a, a very unique uh, set design and, and how they used the set and, uh, you know, try to make us feel like we're tripping without us actually dropping acid before we see the show. We found um, all that, yeah. yeah but that, that, was, uh, that was well done. And it's funny, not a great show. And I saw this years ago. And as a kid, uh, you know, my aunt took me to go see this. And, and it just it, it blew me away as a kid. Um, Starlight Express was one of those shows that, it was all set. I mean, there was like, right. I mean, the storyline was kid. Uh, there's a kid playing with his trains, and he made characters for his trains. Go, like that, that's it. And and then everyone on the roller skates are, are the different trains that this kid is playing with. Uh, but that set was ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I I saw that too when I was a kid, and it was it was tremendous. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering the, the set itself. What are we talking about? Because I remember people skating on different levels. What, what did that look like? There was people skating on different levels. That's what it was. <laughs> I remember there were tunnels. There were Yeah, there was. I, mean, and there, I think there was, like, there, there was hydraulics because like ramps would like move up and down. Okay. And, and they were like, I mean, there was just such a, a, a convoluted uh, system of, of ramps and, and pathways. I mean, it's amazing, you know, when you hear about you know, people getting I, like that. Nobody died while while doing that. I mean, it's a, not that we know. It, of. it was it was a glorified roller derby that they <laughs> had like every night on Broadway. But right. uh, as a kid, you know, when you do the you know 
you're going to see Broadway. And, and granted, you know, as you get older, you, you develop more of an appreciation. That was a show as a kid where it's like, wow, this is Broadway? Like, this is, right. this is so exciting. This is, and there, there's, there's zero plot in that. Now, there was a show I saw uh, also, you know, a couple of years ago, but it was the total opposite. It was no set, but you, you know, it was before the, I think it was before the movie came out, uh, Chicago on Broadway with absolutely no set and and no costumes to speak of, really. But they pulled it off with uh, silhouettes and performers in black. And after seeing that, seeing the, the movie, with uh, Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones, which is obviously the complete opposite. There's a lot going on. Uh, it's amazing how they can pull off the same story, the same musical in such different ways. So that was one that always stood out in my mind as looking different than your typical, you know, quote, lavish Broadway musical. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what you're looking for whenever you look at a, a Broadway set or any show is the, the, set, the set can't detract. So the set either has to, you know... At, be an absolute like like not not being negative, but be a zero, meaning it doesn't detract or add. Like that that's your worst case scenario that you you need the set to be a zero. You're hoping that the set adds to it. But right. some some shows are great when when they're able to to strip it down. Some shows are great when I mean I'll be honest, with you, one of my all time favorite shows, and I've seen it a couple times, and I, I pray every year that he does it again. But Patrick Stewart does a one-man show of A Christmas Carol. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. There's like little to no set, and he plays every character. Wow. Um, it's phenomenal. And they just, it's, it's with lighting and minimal set. That's one of my all-time favorite shows. So you, you, do, you can do a show like that where it's totally stripped down, and, and the set and the minimal, minimalism of the show adds to it. Uh, but then you have the shows where the set... Um, you know, adds to it. And something like Rocky was something that I, I don't think you could do it in a, quote, minimalistic way. You, right. had to, you had to get the feel for Philadelphia. You had to get, you know, maybe if, if the movies didn't exist, you could have hit it in a minimalistic way. But the movies existed. So you, had, you could not do the show without a training montage. You could not do the show without a boxing ring. Of course. You could not do the show without a set of stairs for Rocky to run up. So it was something that you, you had to, you know, the set had to work. And, again, kudos to everyone involved because they got the Philadelphia feel. They nailed the training montages. I, I just, everything kind of came together really well. And, and that's just, you know, Rocky continues. You know, you go back to 1976. It is amazing how this this story, this character continues to resonate where he, he, the character has almost become American folklore to the point where, you know, you have, I mean, people do it on their own, but now AMC coming up on Monday, which is coincidentally, I just saw the show AMC on Monday. They're doing a rock fest where they're showing, I don't know if it's all the movies, but they're showing a bunch of rock, the Rocky movies back to back on Monday. And, Rocky is, is one of those, you know, series that people do like to binge watch and, and watch each movie. And there are, people have done it with Star Wars and people will do it with other series. And, and I, it's funny because in 2014, I feel like this has been a new phenomenon that even though people did it years ago, the term binge watching has become something that uh, you know, a lot of people do, whether it's a series of movies, a television series or, or anything, but 
People are all about the binge watching now. Yeah, you know, it's something that's uh, the term is very new. The concept, you know, goes back a, a little ways to, you know, there were certain you would get your Twilight Zone marathons on TV, um, but really the advent of the DVD box set, and now of course uh, being able to download anything you want at any time. I recall um, in the year 2000, actually it was uh, Millennium New Year's. I, I took a weekend, a long weekend with my wife. And we binge-watched the first season of The Sopranos. It was coming back. I heard how great it was. And on actual VHS videotape, we watched uh, the full first season of The Sopranos. That was my first binge-watch that I can recall. Now, you know, we record a lot of TV shows uh, on our DVR, and we'll keep up with some of them weekly. And sometimes we'll get to the point where, hey, we've got like a dozen of this, ep- you know, episodes of this show or that show. And we'll uh, catch up over the course of a couple of days, and that's you know becoming common across the board. Binge watching is uh, really the way to view things, and we're at the point where even certain TV shows are not on TV. I don't know how they're being considered for TV awards. Going back to the awards discussion, but you know Emmy awards for shows like uh, House of Cards or Arrested Development, where they're not on TV, and in fact they're designed to be binge watched. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I actually just, you know, it, it, talking about binge-watching, just finished, uh, basically ran through the, pretty much this winter all five seasons of Breaking Bad. Being snowed in here in the Northeast uh, has afforded us uh, a lot of time. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I, I did on, on different mediums. Uh, I did, uh, it's funny that I actually did the DVD thing, Someone copied a few episodes on a, a USB, and then I got my Roku set up and, and finalized it uh, streaming uh, on Netflix. So different mediums, right. but, uh, you know, went through and binge watch. I do a lot of binge watching, uh, like you said, with the DVR. Um, and it's funny sometimes because I, I, you know, going back, you know, we had TiVo. Right. When the whole DVR phenomenon started happening. Same here. And, you know, I was a big fan of 24 which is coming back. And every so often I'd miss a couple of weeks, so we'd watch a few 24s back to back to back to back to back, however many we missed. And I found it honestly tough to watch just an hour. If Like I wanted to stay current with the show, but the hours seemed too short to me. It was like after watching like a three-hour block of 24, I'd sit and watch an hour and be like, that's it? It's, all, it's, it's only... Oh. And, and so it, it, there's something about the binge-watching that really engrosses you in the storyline. You don't forget details. Right, that's and, a big one. And it seems like, as we talked about, you know, recently with, with how the future is moving, you know, it's people watching TV, watching TV shows on their own schedule when it's convenient for them and watching a few episodes in a, in a row as this trend continues. You know, it's interesting to see you know, how the medium, quote-unquote, TV uh, is changed going forward. Listen, I, I want right now anyone out there who has binge-watched a full season of 24 over the course of one day, call in right now, please, I need to hear from you, because that is the ultimate binge-watch right there. I'm going to do this for the first time now. Please call us, 347-838-9815. That number again, 347-838-9815. I had to use a cheat sheet for the number, but it's the first time I've given it out on my own. 
But please, if that, anyone... That was well done. That was well done, by the way. Thank you very much. If you binge-watched 24, a full season, please call in or, or get in touch with us through Facebook at uh, TKRS Presents Pop Life right now. That would be tremendous. You know, last summer, my wife and I, again, uh, we binge-watched a TV show that we had never seen before, but we were uh, on a week-long vacation without a TV in the bedroom. And I had heard about this show on MTV called Awkward. Not the biggest show, but over the summer, we had caught up on everything we watched during the, during the, uh, the regular TV season. We brought a couple of movies with us, but I said, let's check this out. And we also, across many platforms, we started out watching through uh, Amazon Prime, which we subscribed to. After the first two seasons, we ran out of that. We watched half of the next season on demand. Then we didn't have any more on-demand episodes. We had to finish season three through the MTV app on our uh, iPad and watch that not on the iPad but through Apple TV on our big screen TV. And season four we recorded in its entirety and watched uh, on on DVR. So uh, across several different mediums and we were able to uh, watch that uh, in its entirety four seasons over the course of, you know, about six, eight months. And, you know, there's so many technologies now. You know, you mentioned Roku uh, we, uh, I mentioned I have the uh, iPad with Apple TV. I also have Amazon and a smart TV. So, you know, recently I watched uh, 12 Years a Slave last week directly to my TV through Amazon. Uh, I'll watch things, whether it be an actual movie or TV show or just through YouTube or whatever I want to watch, we can pull that up through Apple TV. And Ken, you have uh, Amazon and Roku. Is that, I'm sorry, Netflix and Roku, correct? Yes. You know, and you can pull things up on the uh, just the websites or apps of TV networks. There are just so many different ways to watch uh, content right now on your TV, and I find it tremendous. It's very liberating. You don't have to live by the schedules anymore, and I think that the uh, networks are realizing that as well. And you know, even the Nielsen's are, are counting uh, views for an entire week, not just the night that the uh, TV show airs. And it's interesting because, you know, and we talked about this in reference to the WWE Network, and we'll, we'll get to, like, that in a little bit because we we did talk about, you know, are, are we moving into a, a stage where we can see, like, the whole TV thing revolutionized and where, you know, it, it's after going through, because WWE, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Everyone knows that and knows anything about me. So the w, WWE Network has caused me to actually – embrace technology a little bit more that that's really where i was like i right, gotta hook up the roku because uh the wwe is is coming out and i can get it on the roku and that that's what what motivated me um but you do you know after watching uh breaking bad uh through the roku and, and getting like the entire final season and just sitting and watching you know back to back to back um you know great show by the way uh you know uh I still think Jesse Pinkman's a bitch, but that's another conversation for another day. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where I actually found myself sitting, you know, and it does, like, I guess if you're a little bit older, you know, we've grown up with TV, so it's it's, it's accepting the change. But you do start to see the writing on the wall for, for cable to really have some serious issues. Why, you know, if you can be patient enough, and and not and, and accept not being current on a show. And I know that's tough to do. Like for me, Walking Dead, I, Walking Dead, I never binge watch because I have to be current with that show. I have to see it 
every week. There are certain shows like that for me. Sons of Anarchy is another show that I, I don't let it go too long. But if you can accept not being current on a show, why have any of those cable stations? Why not just wait until they're streaming on your Netflix or wherever else they're streaming and, and sit and watch the whole season that you missed? If you're a big fan of Shameless on Showtime, well, why bother paying for Showtime when you'll just wait till Shameless comes out and, and you can watch the whole season that you miss? It's as these things... You know, it was out on DVD, and, but people getting the DVDs, whatever, maybe it's a bit cumbersome. As things become more and more convenient and easier, where you could, now you could sit your fat ass on your couch, not worrying about getting a DVD or how to get a DVD or whatever, and you could just pop on your, your Roku or whatever other streaming device you have, find the season you missed, and sit and watch it. You know, the, the convenience aspect of that, as long as the technology is working, You've got to think that more and more people are going to say, I just don't need cable TV anymore. Now, I can answer that, play devil's advocate here a little bit, because you're right. If you don't care about watching it when it happens, then you can get away without, you know, getting the cable networks. Uh, you know, the flip side of that for me is I watch all of my movies on cable, so I get the cable networks and I have to wait a year to watch a lot of movies. You know, this year I, I went in another direction with the Oscar-nominated films, but I'm still catching up on the movies that were nominated for Academy Awards last year as well. I don't care. I don't mind waiting for a year. But there are people, not only people who want to discuss it with friends or around the water cooler at work, but social media has, has really saved the network and cable TV to some degree because the very technology that allows people through their computers to watch anything they want, whatever they want, is the same thing that is now making people want to keep up. I mean, that's the fact that we had um, a selfie retweeted millions of times from the Academy Awards and everyone wanted to be on board is telling. People, you know, on my Facebook, uh, my Facebook, what's the word? Page, not the page, but you know, the the news story, news the news feed. feed, the news feed. Um, it was very clear that you know everybody out there who was on Facebook at the time seemed to also be watching and commenting on the Academy Awards. Uh, when you watch most TV shows at this point, you'll see a hashtag in the corner of the screen because you know they want to be talked about, and it has saved a lot of things, and especially live events that need to be watched live, like an award show or the Super Bowl. I mean, these are sports and award shows have had a relatively large uptick in ratings over the past couple of years. But, uh, you know, typical scripted shows as well, there are the people who don't mind waiting, and then there are people who really want to be involved in what's going on live. You know, and I'm not in that category, but I understand that, it, you know, the people who are, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, and that's, you know, shows are kind of surviving off of that, the spoiler alert. You know, you, you want to avoid the spoilers. The worst thing in the world is when, you know, you have a show that, like, again, I try to stay current Walking Dead, and, you know, it's someone posts on Facebook, I can't believe they killed so-and-so. You're like, no! Come on, people. It's on my DVR! So, I mean, there are certain shows that I just, I make sure that that I stay current with, but there are a lot of shows, honestly, like, Shows like, I mean, I'm a big fan of Shameless. 
Um, I, I like House of Lies. Uh, you know, these are shows that I'm a big fan of that not a lot of people I know watch these shows. I could get away with not watching those shows and waiting till they come out. And, and really and truly, they're not like people don't litter my news feed with updates on that show. I, I could get away with not knowing anything that happens on those shows and, until they come out. So it, it should be interesting to see where TV evolves to or, or do the networks catch up and, and try to get out ahead of this wave. But the one thing that is going to stem the tide, so to speak, and we saw this last week as, as the WWE rolled out you know, their network, the, the one thing that's really going to kill all of this is if the technology doesn't work. And especially people who are going to be trying new technology. Like, I know for a fact that if I, if I brought, my, brought a Roku to my parents and said, you've got to try this, it's awesome, if you have a Netflix account, blah, and, and, and if they, the first, time, the first time, if they go to watch a movie and, and something craps out and it just doesn't work or it's right. still loading or still buffering or whatever, they'll be done with it. They're like, no, screw the Roku. I can watch whatever I want to watch on the TV. And that's, that's where they'll, they'll lose uh, the momentum of, of like changing to this new frontier. And the WWE Network, as we spoke a lot when they introduced this, um, you know, on, on, was it last show? I think it was the last show. show. Or not the Oscar show, but the show before that. We talked about how this could revolutionize TV. They ran into some issues last week. They did. You know, it's a good thing that they gave away a free seven-day trial because the outcry of people paid for this and didn't get what they wanted. And I'm telling you, on that first day at least, nobody got what they wanted. Um, I got alerts to, you know, my computer and my phone right away uh, as soon as it was up you know, within the minute. I said, all right, let's check it out. And I clicked on the free trial, and I could not watch a single thing. First, I couldn't even enter my information, my, you know, username and password. Then later on, uh, finally, I was able to enter stuff, and I was on the page, but sorry, no video at this time. I haven't thought about it since last Monday, because for me and my sons, this is really all about WrestleMania. And we're not so much watching uh, some of the shows that are on, although some of them sound interesting. Legends House sounds like a lot of fun. But we're not watching too much, so I've kind of dropped it. I don't know what's going to happen, though, if you, know, if you have a lot of people trying to sign up in the beginning. It's kind of like the Obamacare website. You know, they crashed <laughs> it because everyone wanted in. Well, it's the same thing here. It didn't work. I don't know where they stand right now. But I would imagine that before WrestleMania, which you get for free with this you know, $10 a month subscription, I would imagine that if enough people are signing up for that uh, right before the event, that they may have problems there too, and you've got people paying money. And then if they're diehards that need to watch WrestleMania, then shelling out 60 bucks to watch it on TV because they don't have this. I can see a, a lot of problems in the future. And like Ken said... If this is the way it goes when these things are introduced, then that will stem the tide. We will have you know people going back to their traditional TVs or waiting to watch them through their uh, other technology, but it may uh, have other people pull back from the online network that WWE is trying to uh, make a model for here. Yeah, because I mean it, it sounds so great on paper, and and the thing is with with the WWE network and. You know, I've been on, 
and and it seems to be working well now. I, I've watched stuff like through my phone on the computer, uh, you know, on the tablet. So it, it, it's working well. Uh, a lot of the, the throwback shows are, are a lot of fun to watch, and it seems to be working. Like get the nail on the head. Um, you know what happens WrestleMania weekend when the entire wrestling universe decides that you know they want to watch WrestleMania. You know then that volume is going to be there. Uh, you know, the WWE has shown over recent years, and, and a lot of wrestling fans are not too happy with this, but they, you know, Vince McMahon is, is looking to be a global entertainment company, not a quote-unquote wrestling company. That is what he is looking to do. Uh, recently, Forbes' list of billionaires, Vince McMahon made the list. That is a B, billionaire. B is in boy. He made the Forbes list of billionaires. And the interesting thing, though, is, look, for someone like me, uh, a lot of other hardcore wrestling fans that are out there, you know, it, it's almost like we're, we're just a, a bunch of puppies, and, and Vince threw a piece of meat out on the street, and we're like, <laughs> and it's like, run, it's like we're just going to get it. What do you want us to buy, Vince? Yeah, we'll buy it, we'll buy it. You know, it, it, and that's, that's the way the rabid wrestling fan is. And even you talk to wrestling fans, and wrestling fans will complain about everything, and they'll still watch, because that's... We're fans of the product, but what wrestling, what Vince McMahon wants, what the WWE wants, they really, for lack of a better term, they don't care about me because they know I'm going to be there. I am going to order the network. I am going to sit there and watch Dr. D. David Schultz versus Salvatore Belomo from Madison Square Garden in 1983 with absolute glee. What they really want, they want you, Todd. That's the person they want. They right. they know they got us by the cojones. We're gonna we're gonna lap it up. We're going to order the network. But they want those casual fans. They want those fans those families that pick and choose pay per views throughout the year to buy the network because you get all the pay per views. They want those fringe fans to jump in on the network. And you fringe fans, for lack of no offense. No, that's fine. But, but you, you fringe fans are you're you're going to be turned off. We'll sit through it. Right. If the technology is not working, the hardcore wrestling fan is going to piss and moan. But we're still going to, unless it like craps out for weeks, we're going to put up with it and we're going to we're going to be patient with it. But the WWE doesn't want us. They don't care about us. They want you guys. They want those those fringe fans to buy in. And that first week. With, with all the anticipation, and you know what, maybe they would have been better if they put something out there where, you know, we're giving you a free week because there's going to be kinks. Now, I know marketing-wise, maybe they thought we can't admit that, but when people are, are gleefully signing up because they want their free week to see what they're going to get, and they get nada, uh, you know, I get it from you, Todd. You know, yeah. you're, you're all excited about it. You're, I'm sure your boys were excited about it, but now you're rethinking all right, you know, do I shell out the cause $10 a month with a six-month subscription? Right. So even if you, you plan on subscribing on a regular basis, $120 a year, if you're someone like us watching two or three pay-per-views a year, well, it's a better deal to get them all for the price of basically two and all this other content. But if I'm going to have problems watching those pay-per-view events – which, you know, you get live on your big screen, and now I've got to deal with not only the website or the app itself, and then how am I going to get it from that app to my TV? And are there going to be glitches? And 
well, maybe it's just not worth it. And the other content, eh, I can live without it. So the Fringe fan like me, you're right. I already am a little turned off, and I'm already anticipating not getting the network in the end. We're going to try it, but if it doesn't work out and WrestleMania doesn't fly, then I, I have a feeling that we're just we're done. We'll watch our couple of pay-per-views. We'll pay you know, a la carte, and that'll be that. Well, I mean, that's got to be your biggest, you know, in the grand scheme of life, not the big, but like in, as far as this, your biggest fear. I mean, you have two kids that, that are, you know, two sons that are really into wrestling. Uh, I, I know we've talked before, you, you kind of pick and choose the pay-per-views you're going to get. Right. But you've got to get WrestleMania. Yes. So, I, I, and, and I don't think you're alone in this. You know, you, your biggest fear has got to be you're, you're, you're ready on that Sunday and you're, you're, getting, you're, you're sitting in front of the TV. You got the network. You're ready to watch WrestleMania. And you, you sit in, in front with your two boys ready to, to watch the showcase of the Immortals. And, and you got the little circles spinning around in right. the middle of your screen. And then you got two sons that are incredibly disappointed that are probably at this point flipping out. And then you wind up spending the $10 a month and you call your cable company and say, I need to order WrestleMania right now. You hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> and then I'm going to have my beef with the WWE and want my money back from the network. And that's exactly the way I see this going. And so... You know, maybe, although it makes perfect sense for them to unleash this network and the first pay-per-view would be the big one, maybe they should have started smaller, see how things go with one of the others that not everyone's going to try to get, see what the volume is like, and it may have been a better way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that if this goes the way it's supposed to go, and when it was first announced, we were pretty positive about what they were trying to do. Um, I, I still, and let's try and spin it around and get back to the positive, Obviously, a lot of glitches last week, but we are talking about, you know, the, the potential of, of revolutionizing TV, and this is something that, if it does work, and I'll tell you, I've watched some of the programming, uh, some of the stuff, you know, I remember, you know, Todd and I have been friends for a long time, you know, memories of, of hanging out in, in Todd's basement with a bunch of friends watching uh, WrestleManias, and now those WrestleManias are, are on the network, so... Uh, you know, lots of cool stuff as far as the old content. Sure. If, if this is something that is successful, and they're working diligently, from what I hear, with Major League Baseball to assist them in, in making this network what it's supposed to be, uh, if it does, in fact, work, like we said, it is something that could, in fact, revolutionize how we watch TV, how we watch our shows, and you know, it, it's funny, getting all the way back to when we were talking before about time travel, I would love to be able to fast forward into the future, five years even, because the way technology is, it seems like it's, it's turning over so quickly. Yeah, very fast. Where, where we might be five years from now as far as how we're getting our entertainment, how we're watching TV, uh, you know, this might be the tip of the iceberg, but as we see the the Hulus and the Netflixes and, and now the WWE Network and who knows what other networks will, will start to follow suit. Uh, you know, how much different our entertainment viewing experience may be just a mere five years down the road. Right. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. You know, and it's, I think that uh, the way that WWE Network pans out may have a lot to do with that. You know, before we go here, Ken, I'm going to bring us back to the most traditional of television formats now. The, the late night talk show, because I think that before we go, we've got to address the fact that the Tonight Show 
you know, going back 50 years at this point, has a new host. Of course, Jimmy Fallon left his show, so that show's got a new host in Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers left Saturday Night Live, so Weekend Update has a new host in Colin Jost. Have you seen any of this uh, over the past couple of weeks, Ken? Um, you know what? I, I got to admit, I haven't seen Myers or SNL, but I've seen a bit of, of Fallon. Um, I, I, I think for I, I've seen Fallon before. Uh, you know, I think the jury's out a little bit on him. Uh, we'll see. It's tough for me to say. I think he's a good host. You know, for me, it, it's and I know it's bad, and I know like maybe I need to loosen up. But I and, and we've talked about this even with the news on Saturday Night Live. You know, there's. I've been really critical about people over the years. Um, when it comes to late-night talk shows, I go back to Carson. And maybe it's unfair of me to, to look at Carson and, and judge people by that barometer, because I never got into Leno. Leno always kind of bugged me. Um, I just I, Car- Carson's way was just – he was so good. And, and so I, I – Maybe again, maybe I'm just being unfair. I, I think Fallon's got a lot of talent. I think Fallon uh, definitely brings a new spin to it. I, I it, it's funny because I, I still find myself. Is it the Tonight Show though? It's Jimmy Fallon. Uh, he's amusing. He's funny. But is is it the Tonight the Tonight Show? Well, it's funny you say that because it's it's just a name. You know, I mean, it's been a different show. But on it's the Tonight shows. Show. Well, it is, and he said that when he came out on his first night. He did a whole thing about how he is taking over the Tonight Show, and he obviously has a lot of respect and reverence for Johnny Carson and everyone else who came before him, but it's also his show. And, uh, you know, he even said something to the effect of uh, when he hosted Saturday Night Live in December. He uh, He said... So I'll be taking over, and I'll be the new host of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And then gave a look. Yeah, it's not The Tonight Show with Jay Leno anymore. It's, it's his show. And so he respects the history, but he's going to bring in you know, uh, his, his twist on it. But I think that he's trying to do that 1130 thing. He's not the, the late, late host anymore, and now he is The Tonight Show. And he's trying to do it, do his own thing, but in a way that uh, pays respect to what the show has been. You know, he's, uh, he's tremendous. Johnny, of course, is the standard. I almost have to not look back to Johnny Carson because of what he was and the way that he basically invented this format. I go back to early David Letterman, and I'm comparing people more to not the more recent Grumpy Dave, but the early Fun Dave. And so I'm comparing a lot of these people to, to that model more so than Johnny Carson. I think Jimmy Fallon will be okay if he just says Justin Timberlake on every night. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's always a lot of fun. <laughs> they get along so well. I'm a huge Timberlake fan, and the two of them are just awesome. And you can, just, you can just say that? I have no problem saying that. <laughs> no. You know what? In the beginning, I would say, you know, I hate to say it, but, or, you know, I'm a bit, no. He is, if I had to choose a handful of people to hang out with for a weekend, he's right there with me. Justin Timberlake is you know, he's in my wolf pack, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny, and I'll say, like, I hate to admit it, but it, it's it's like one of those guys where, like, you, you just it's like, oh, I have to like you. He's I so good like, at everything. And, he, but and then he's down to earth. Like, right. you can expect, like, at least be a dick so there's something I could hate about you. But no, you can sing, you can dance, you actually can act. 
And then on top of it all, you're down to earth. He's funny. He does impressions in addition to the singing and, and acting. He uh, he is a nice guy. I love that when someone will bring up you know the NCAA tournament, he knows what's going on. He watches sports. He's he's very down to earth. It's almost it seems like how can he be with everything he does and all his success? But he's just one of those great guys. And I, so I have no problem saying I'm a big fan. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, you know I I every time Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon are together, you know I find it eminently entertaining. Um, you know it, it's an interesting genre. You know it, it's uh, I guess competition is definitely uh, heating up. There's you know Jimmy Kimmel's out there as well. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of decent hosts. You know, I go back like you know, I was always, but I haven't checked out the new version. I was a big uh, Arsenio fan uh, in the '90s. I haven't really checked out the the new incarnation of, of Arsenio. Um, but it, you know, it'd be interesting. I'm curious to see. It, it, like Jimmy Fallon's one of those guys that, to be perfectly honest, like neither scenario would shock me. If we're 30 years down the road and Jimmy Fallon's still the host, that would not necessarily surprise me. And if two years from now they're saying, hey, he's really not working out, I don't know, that wouldn't shock me either. So I will check him out. I'll continue to check him out and see like how he's evolving as the Tonight Show host. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he finds his niche, because you hear the stories that NBC wanted to bring in a younger crowd, want, thought Jimmy Fallon, you know, they needed the Tonight Show needed a breath of fresh air. He's definitely going to have a much different take on the Tonight Show and everything than, than Jay Leno had. Right. Um, Thank God. So it, it'd be, <laughs> it would be interesting to see exactly, you know, how, like, where he finds himself and when he finally gets that, that groove going as the, the Tonight Show host, um, if it really resonates with a broad audience or not. I'd like to see it. I have a feeling it will be closer to the 30 years than the two, but I, I, I'm pulling for him because he's so talented. He's very likable and he's very funny. Uh, he does impressions of people you'd never imagine. Uh, you know, I love when he does backstage musical things, obviously the history of rap stuff. And then there's Seth Meyers, who has pulled some of his Weekend Update stuff into his talk show now. You know, he's got that feel when he's doing a monologue. I think he's getting a feel for it, but of course Jimmy Fallon had a talk show for a few years already, where Seth Meyers is taking it on uh, fresh. So you know I'm pulling for him too because I always uh, enjoyed him on on Saturday Night Live, uh, but I think he's feeling his way right now. I like Seth Meyers too. I, I, I I'm optimistic in in this setting that that Seth Meyers will do a good job. But you're you're a guy again like we we and I have fallen away from it, uh, but you're a guy that continues to plug away, and you are. You know, one of the most supportive people I have ever met. For now, we're talking decades. You have supported uh, Saturday Night Live and yeah. continue uh, every cast, every incarnation. Uh, now that Seth Meyers is gone, how is the uh, weekend update going over there on Saturday Night Live? It's one show down, and honestly, it was a disappointment. I give Saturday. Night wow, Night, it was. I give that show the benefit of the doubt every week. I really do, and usually it's worth it. Some people will say it's worthwhile for 20 minutes out of the hour and a half. Some people say more. I watch every minute of every show. First of all, the entire episode I was disappointed with. Uh, hosted by Jim Parsons this week, and I'm afraid that he's one of those guys that really can't do anything 
other than that part that he is now so well known for. And the funny thing is that in his monologue, he sang a song called I'm Not That Guy. And uh-huh. I think he proved to the rest of the show that he just is that guy and that's it. Uh, meanwhile, the new host uh, named Colin Jost on Weekend Update, he was very bland. I Anyone who stepped into that part has had their persona set um, I, I think, if I remember correctly, they did have it from the start. This guy was just maybe a regular news anchor with a little bit of a grin, and that was it. There was not much to him. He read what he had to read. Thankfully, his co-host, Cecily Strong, has been doing it since the beginning of the TV season, and uh, she has been very good, and she carried it You know, this time. She's got that persona already. She's uh, done very well. I, I'm you know, pulling for this guy, but... Uh, disappointed in week one. Lots of stuff going forward, Cena. You know, how all these talk shows pan out. And as the year goes on, we definitely will explore that. We got about 90 seconds left, and we're going to get into in later shows. Lots of trailers coming out. Big year for movies. Big year for sci-fi superhero movies. Quickly, Todd, with a little, about, a little over a minute left, any of these movies you are really looking forward to in 2014? Oh, in 2014, we're talking about the new Spider-Man movie is one of the ones I'm absolutely looking forward to. Hopefully, we'll get to see it in the theater. You know, like I said, I catch my movies uh, on a, a large, huge delay, a year delay. So I don't see that one. That's at the top of my list right now. I, I am. There's so many. I am really pumped to see the new X-Men movie this year. These are things, again, future episodes. Remember, first Tuesday of every month, 1030, we'll be out here talking about it, and we got a lot of movies to talk about. But just released, and if you guys haven't seen it, get to YouTube, check it out, new Godzilla trailer. I am so pumped. The King of the Monsters is back. I cannot wait to see that gigantic lizard on IMAX 3D with Brian Cranston yelling at us throughout the whole movie. So, Cannot wait for that. There's so many movies and so many things within the pop culture that we need to talk about. we got less than 20 seconds left. Todd, great show tonight. Great show to you too, Ken. Listen with you in another month. It was great to spend this hour and a half with you. For Todd, I am Ken. We will see you real soon. Check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next month. Take care, everybody.